The following is a 5 for 2 production.
welcome to episode why why how do you why? do the, how do you do the why? Why? why kevin why did you make me do this but uh god bless you buddy uh I, only I, only two more left todd tonight and one more i mean you've you've made it i'm i'm hoping by the time we get to z i'll get the fucking book finished <laughs> and we'll actually have something to promote by the end of this goddamn thing. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, so we're almost there, folks. We're we're heading to the end um, now. Kevin, I know you've got a couple bands you want to mention. Just a couple to mention, and then we've got a very uh, special guest coming up special here. Special guest tonight. Yes. Who indeed. could? Who could it be? Who could it be? <laughs> I'm not saying nothing, but. Uh, <laughs> But before before we get to all the all the festivities, uh, uh, it's been it's been kind of a sad it's been a sad week. Folks. It's been a sad yeah. week for you and I. That's true. In the, in the ticket stubs, drive by truckers world, and uh, we lost a good friend this week. That's right. And so we just want to say uh, goodbye, farewell. Au revoir to our good friend James Jimmy C. Coogan. So uh, right. you know, Jimmy, I, I know I know I'll see you again someday. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, now, gar- Todd, I guarantee that. Now, Todd, I wanted to tell. Uh, of course, we put a dedication up to Jimmy at the beginning of the show, so people were like, Who, "Who's this guy?" But you can actually Google this guy, folks. He was uh, featured in the New York Times a few times. He was one of America's finest cheese connoisseurs. This man was a connoisseur of life, folks. <laughs> Let me tell you, because anytime I got together with Jimmy, uh, I had some of the best times, some of the best wines some of the best food and some of the best friends that I have ever had in my entire life. Now Todd, I mess around I mess around with podcasting with you and Jimmy actually got to go on radio shows with Emeril Lagasse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually yeah, he's big, popular. Jimmy was big time. <laughs> People actually cared what he said, Kevin. So, uh, no offense, no offense to you or I. You know, I, I know that. Now, uh, I, I have to. I have to tell since we are talking about Jimmy. I have to tell my meeting Jimmy uh, C story because I believe I met him before you. I think I introduced you to him at homecoming in two thousand eight. I believe. No, you didn't. Okay. Okay. No, you didn't. Okay. Hold, then you hold your Jimmy C meeting story until I tell mine. But right. I met I met him on Friday, October twenty sixth of two thousand seven. I was on my first solo DBT road trip. It was my second night. I had gone to uh, State College, Pennsylvania, the night before. Uh, slept in a rest area, you know, hardcore. Drove in to see our good friend uh, Wolf in uh, my thirty in New York City. And uh, now what day was through. this? This was Friday, October the 26th, 2007. Um, New York uh, Bowery Ballroom. You beat me, uh, bastard. I knew I did. I knew I did. Um, But uh, it was also, it was a very momentous occasion in Trucker Lord, Todd. It was the first night that, uh, it was the night that Shauna sang I'm Sorry Houston for the first time. Why was I not there with you? I don't know. I don't know. One of the many questions we've asked at some of these moments here in, in the show, but you weren't. But anyway, uh, Jimmy, I wasn't. 
Jimmy just happened to be the guy next to me in the crowd. And, uh, you know, we were close up in that, near the stage, of course. Uh, and uh, he, he said, hey, uh, you know, can I buy you a beer? He saved my place. And I said, of course. And he looked at the beer I was drinking. It just happened to be a Newcastle Brown Ale. It's not like my favorite beer or anything. It just happened to be what I was drinking that night. For the rest of the time uh, that I've ever known Jimmy at a concert, he would always continually, I never bought a beer when I was around him, and it was always a Newcastle Brown Ale. All from that one moment. We also stood out on the street corner in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and smoked a big fat joint after the show. I thought that was pretty much of a culture shock for me. Uh, But uh, anyway, that was the first meeting with Jimmy C. He... uh, he uh, did ride the train with us under protest. He said he did not ride the train in New York City. Also, when I visited Jimmy once in his apartment, he told me he didn't go on the west side of uh, New York because it smelled over there. So I'm just, this is Jimmy. West side Jimmy New York. was a very particular New Yorker, folks. Uh, <laughs> let's take a look. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've gone into restaurants with Jimmy where we walk in the door there was a line of maybe six or seven people, and he said, "You know what? Nah, we're not waiting." <laughs> and walked right the fuck out. Todd, he, I think I think you should tell the uh, wa- the bottle of wine story for Jimmy C. I think that would truly represent some of uh, your relationship with Jimmy. Well, uh, you you might have to, you know. Um, um, you Jimmy took you to dinner, and uh, you were paying the oh, bill. Oh, the two hundred dollars. Yeah, you, you, you allowed Jimmy, you made the mistake of allowing Jimmy to pick the wine. <laughs> All right, so folks, if you if you don't know, I, I've written a couple books about my adventures with the drive-by truckers. And if you if you venture right into story number one in in volume uh two, volume five, part two, uh Jimmy comes into play immediately. So, look, folks, uh, we could tell Jimmy stories all night long. And, in fact, we probably should do an entire Jimmy show. but And maybe we will. But, uh, folks, Season we, we got a special guest tonight. We got other things to talk about. Um, Jimmy Jimmy would want us to get on with the show. He'd be like, what are you guys sitting around like, yapping about me? About? Look, I'm dead. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, you know, move Tell your stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, Jimmy, well, look, we'll, we'll be telling your story sometime soon, my friend. And uh, and uh, God bless you. I, I know for a fact that there is a wine bar waiting for me with a seat up top. So, um, well, we'll Godspeed, Jimmy C. Godspeed. We'll see you soon, my friend. We'll All see right. you soon. All right. So, Todd... Uh, Let's get on to the rock show, as uh, Jimmy would have us do. Um, you said you don't really have anybody except for one of the artists we're going to talk about with our guests. So, um, our, okay, so you never saw Yes, then? No. Really? Okay. Did you ever yes. see? No. <laughs> Did you no. see Asia? Yeah. Did you see Asia back in the day? I kind of like the first record, but uh, no, never saw them. Uh, they did. They played Hershey, or they, they played... Um, um, City Island in Harrisburg, May okay. three, but now, now. Okay. What about uh, Moody Blues? Did you ever see Moody Blues? That's about as depressing as yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm There's a reason I'm asking all this. Uh, and then you have actually told a story in E about seeing Emerson Lake and Powell. 
Didn't you say it was yeah. the first time you ever got a backstage pass? Free show. Uh, that's the only reason I went. Oh, yep. okay. 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 Well, anyway, the reason I ask is because I've seen yes, both versions. In case people don't know, all of them. There's there's two versions of yes out there. There's yes, which is Steve Howe and his band of I uh, sound alikes. I uh, guess the John Davidson guy on vocals. Kind of like the sticks. The yeah, sticks yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, much like sticks. Um, then there's yes, ARW, which is John Anderson and Rick Wakeman from the you know the classic yes. Well, and then dead, and then pardon. Isn't he dead? No, you're confusing him with John Lord from Deep Purple, I believe. Oh. Rick Wakeman is, is Rick, Rick Wakeman is very much alive, still wearing his cape. <laughs> but uh, and then also the R is Trevor Rabin, so it's kind of a mix of the classic yes and the '80s yes. Now I went to see both in the same summer, uh, two summers ago, I believe. Now the Royal Affair tour came here to Columbus. That was Steve Howe's version. Todd, I gotta say this was the most smooth run, like four band uh, affair I ever saw. Okay, so Carl Palmer comes out and does his Emerson Lake and Powell tribute. It's Carl This is weird. He had no keyboard player. He had a young guitar player doing basically like all the Keith Emerson stuff on guitar. Kind of interesting. But anyway, so he did that show in a hot, hot summer afternoon, you know, 70-some-year-old Carl up there with his shirt off, you know, playing the gong, you know, fucking doing the gong, the double gong, you know, for his drum solo. But one of, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Carl Palmer actually got his start in rock and roll as a part of uh, the crazy world of Arthur Brown as part of his band. Now, you know okay. who that is, right? You know, fire, sure. da, da, da. Supposedly, he was a big Alice Cooper influence, I guess. For sure, absolutely. Okay. Well, anyway, he was there as well. So he came out and actually did fire and uh, was kind of an MC for Carl's set. So at the end of Carl's set, Arthur Brown thanks everybody. He had, he was like outlandishly dressed. It was like what you would want to see if you're seeing Arthur Brown. And as he's kind of thanking everybody in the audience, literally Carl and the boys are walking off and John Lodge from Moody Blues Band is walking on. And they just immediately start right into their set. So there was no downtime. So then following them, they did the same thing for Asia. Now, this was three out of four of the original members of Asia, of course, because uh, John Wetton has passed away. Now, Steve Howe didn't play the whole set. Most of the set was Carl Palmer, Jeff Downs, um, Billy um, Sherwood uh, on bass, who was also the bass player for Yes. But... You're going to like this, Todd. This is a throwback to our episode G. We talked about the, the guitar players in Guns N' Roses and their wacky names. Well, when when Bumblefoot left Guns N' Roses, he's now the singer and guitar player in Asia. <laughs> I got to give the guy credit. He sounded a lot like Wetton, and it was really cool. When Steve Howe came out to join them for four songs, he got Say- there's Bumblefoot. <laughs> I think you said your name was going to be Jungle Fungus when you joined uh, Guns N' Roses. I'm Jungle Fungus. <laughs> but anyway, but another cool thing. Van Pesfield. So anyway, after Asia's set, then they actually uh, did do some downtime and they played a movie about uh, Yes up on the screen and Steve Howe came out and did his whole Yes thing. The coolest thing about that show, though, Todd, really for me, was uh, meeting... Uh, Roger Dean, the artist who drew all those cool classic 
you know, yes, uh, yes album records. covers in Asia and everything. So that was, that was, he was along for the tour. So he was like signing works and meeting people over to the side. So that was pretty cool. But what I wanted to say about the ARW version of Yes, which again is John Anderson, the original singer, um, Rick Whiteman, the, the most famous keyboard player, and um, Trevor Rabin, the guitar player from the 80s version. But uh, number one, John, we- John Anderson is so short that they had a riser for him in the middle of the stage, like a drum riser that he stood up on just so that he would be at the same height as Trevor Raven on one side and Rick Waven, uh, Rick Wakeman playing his keyboards on the other. But Todd, Rick Wakeman donned the cape and did the guitar solo walking through the audience. That, that was, that's pretty cool. That was, that was, you know, pretty, pretty cool. You got it. You got to Got to give it up for the keytar and the cape. Sure. Hey, look, anybody <laughs> wearing a cape, I'll give it so, you know, Hey, one, two, three. Well, who else we got? Kevin <laughs> Mean Street. <laughs> mean Street. Uh, YMT were one of the last bands I got to uh, see before all this bullshit this year, Todd. I actually got to see them as a band play live this year. So well, now, now, all right. So, who is there? Anyone still in the band that that was in the original or no? They, actually, most of the original band have passed away, including Leonard Hayes, the coolest member of this year. But Dave Minichetti, the main guy, uh, lead singer. Yeah, lead, lead singer. singer. Dude, he sounds great. He's like, he's got that, like, he's drinking that Sammy Hagar Bay Area water, man. I mean, he's got he that up. John Cougar Melon Camp. Now it's sound like an nope, old nope, nope. voice. Nope, he sounds good. He sounds good. I sound but, like uh, Kevin from the, from the bar down in New Orleans. Like, <laughs> I sound like, I sound like Reverend Todd Baker. He's what I sound like. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, it was cool. It was cool to finally see them. Uh, there's a good documentary about Y&T that, uh, like, even non-fans, like, you know, would would appreciate. So, gotta appreciate a band that uh, you know hangs on for for all those years. Just so. mean street. Dude, yeah, I love that song. It's a great song. But yeah. honestly, I, I I don't think I actually bought the record. Uh, I like the I song. Think I I had that song on, um, I should, I, I, if I would have known that I was going to tell this specific story about YNT, I should have pulled it out. But on, on one of those KTEL Masters of Metal, my KTEL Masters of Metal, uh, uh, you know. That'd be the only reason to buy KTEL Records for Main Street, I think. I think it also has like, you know, it has like sticks and, you know, the, those, those KTEL albums were weird, you know. It's like, it'd be like Masters of Metal and then it would have like sticks and, uh, you know. Death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, journey. You know, it's like wait, wait a minute. The, the definition of heavy metal was much different in the late seventies than it uh, than it came to be. But uh, Todd, that does it. Uh, we've got a special guest coming up, so uh, let's take a quick break. And we're uh, taking stubs. Who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? Fingers crossed. Hey, folks, and welcome back to episode Y. Why? Why are we still doing this show? Because, goddammit, folks, we still have more entertainment for you. And speaking of which, uh, we've got a very special guest tonight. Uh, you know, uh, finally, finally. We had, it's we really. Herb, we had Herb on the, on the W episode. We were hoping to get Colin at some point. We got him now. So we got Colin Gow. 
Welcome to Ticket Stubs, Colin Gow of Watershed and Colin Gow and the League Bowlers. And I'm, wear, I'm wearing Bones. my Lonely Bone shirt tonight, Colin. So. Oh, that's cool. That's a rarity right there. I got about 20 more in my basement. If you need a backup, you can have one. So I'll, cool. I'll take so. one. I'll take one next yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, well, I appreciate you having me on, guys. It's a, it's a thrill. So it's great. Thank you. Thanks. We really appreciate it. I don't know if you've watched any episodes of the show, but uh, it's been kind of a running, uh, a running uh, callback here on the show, whether we could actually get you on. And so finally we're here at episode 25 of 26 and we got you. So I'm glad that's great. <laughs> we appreciate you uh, working us. Yeah. Colin, just first off, how's, uh, how's the business going, bud? I know with the whole pandemic thing, it's gotta be hard on uh, small business people like yourself. So just yeah. kind of give us a perspective on how uh, Colin's coffee is doing. You know what? We're doing all right. You know, I like to say we're too small to fail. And it's, you know, it's one of those times where being a pretty small place in its own way is a blessing. We don't have a lot of moving parts. We have a small staff. Uh, you know, I work, you know, I can work here a lot. And, you know, no one here depends on, you know, their job for like a mortgage. You know, it's, you know, younger people, art, you know, artists and our customers are nice. So really, and we have a nice, just through dumb luck, we used to have a drafty store. Now we have a safe store. You know what I mean? We have double doors. Thin glass, so we open the doors. We're just doing to go, and you know what? Our customers have been great. We're compared to what a lot of places are dealing with, like a lot. We're really in, in decent shape, you know. And coffee is one of those simple pleasures, but it's like pizza of the morning, right? Everybody still kind of likes to go get their coffee. Right. So, all things considered, you know, we're doing really well. And obviously, you know, I think about all those live music venues now. They're really dealing with some problems. You know what mm. I mean? So I feel like. We got it pretty easy down here compared to what's going on out there for a lot of places. Right on. I know. Uh, I know you have a, a, a show coming up soon um, for um, to help with some of these venues, and we'll talk about that kind of at the end. Now, um, you know um, what we do here? We talk about concerts. So, of course, uh, we got a we got a list of uh, twenty questions for you here, and okay. we'll, we'll make this quick, Colin. So we'll, we we won't we won't drag this whole thing out. Right. I don't and, mind. And any of these any of these questions could lead into discussion, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, we just sure. kind of, hey. all free form here. So I got all night. I'm ready to go. So all right, great. So what what was your first concert? I would say uh, the first concert I really went to was Kiss Dynasty Tour in <sighs> Richfield, probably when I was in fourth grade. And I was a you know I was a Kiss fanatic at a really young age, probably mm -hmm. too young. Like in first grade, I got my hands on Kiss Alive. You know, I put it on and I knew I had to get electric guitar within the first 10 seconds of Deuce. You know, I'm one of those, one of those guys, you know, right. like me and a million guys from that generation, right? Kiss was just the whole world. So okay. my mom surprised me. We went up, it was Dynasty Tour and we were up in the upper deck of Richfield Coliseum. I remember thinking like, what's that funny smell? Like saying that out loud. <laughs> um, I remember New England opened up. Did your mom know? Thought, oh, I'm sure she did. You know, and then, uh, <laughs> you know, she was like, oh, I don't know. And, uh, and uh, New England opened up. And I was just thrilled to be there. And I remember the opening. But I will say this. I was maybe young enough or my ears weren't forming up. Or the sound was just so crappy in the 70s. But I really couldn't even make out the songs in the upper deck. It was just loud. I remember, like, yeah. really, I didn't know what songs they were playing. But I didn't care. I was just thrilled to see Kiss. So that was, <laughs> you know, that was, uh, that was my first actual show. Uh, and then probably not. And, th and then, you know, until I got old enough where a parent could take us. Mm -hmm. I, saw, I remember seeing the Kinks on Give the People What They Want down in cleveland and that was nice. awesome and then uh and then as joe writes about in hitless wonder going to see cheap trick like in eighth grade of course ohio center where we were like you know you know that's when we were old enough to be like okay now we're not gonna we're not just guys that like kiss that are talking about a band we're gonna we're gonna start a band you know we, we have we're gonna do this you know so those are but but uh kiss honesty is really the first one 
Well, that that uh... that that kind of that would that kind of leads me into another question. But but first, before I say that, as a child, which member of Kiss did you want to be? Uh, probably as a kid, maybe Ace, but may, Paul, Paul or Ace. You know, I'm I'm I definitely more guy. of the Paul guy now because I have to be. The only <laughs> certain guys can be the Paul guy, and that's kind of my role. I'm not good enough a guitar to be Ace, but. I don't know about I that. Was, I, I, I was always a, I was always a Paul guy. I was always yeah, a Paul guy. I was probably I was probably a Paul guy, you know. But <laughs> Paul was a little trickier around middle school. You know, Paul has a certain thing about him. It's not always, you know, it's not as easy to explain to the other guys in the block. But I always had to play Paul. When we were dressing up as Kiss. I was Paul. Yeah, I always had to play Paul. Uh, Gene here, was so. just Gene was just too scary. I was scared of Gene. I mean, his poster was kind of horrifying, and I, I liked him, but. And I'm not, I would never be a convincing Gene and obviously can't play drums. So, you yeah, could, put me down for Paul. Off Gene. I'm sorry, Colin. Yeah. You're too nice a guy to be a Gene Simmons. Okay. Hey, well, all well, this kind of leads into uh, question two then, um, and I guess I could probably guess the answer to some of these. So what were your earliest influences on, on guitar, singing, and songwriting? I know. I feel like I should – just to follow that last – I'm definitely a Paul guy now. I actually bought a Paul <laughs> Stanley solo shirt just like a month ago just for the hell of it. Nice. I just – I love I love Paul Stanley. Uh, did you see the uh, – Paul? real quick, did you see the Paul Stanley um, solo show at the Newport in uh, – uh, what was it, 1989? Yeah, we, I'm glad you reminded me. When you are saying best shows I ever saw, I was looking at that. And when, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was like, it's hard to recall them. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yep, we had um, talked about that on this show, so. Great yeah, set. Got it. That was great. Uh, but, okay, so back to your question, you know, the big thing for me musically is we keep the bus would go down High Street. I, I grew up in Worthington, and the bus would turn around and go right through our neighborhood to get like loop and go back down High Street. So this is just dumb luck that it happened to come down the same street where Joe and I and Biggie lived, and then Herb could catch it up later. So every weekend we go to the record stores. So that was really what my you know my family wasn't into music. I didn't take I wasn't the guy who took like music classes in school. I just bought records and had an electric guitar. That was like my whole thing, right? So all my early stuff was like, you know, you know, obviously Kiss records, you know, you know, rock and roll was the only thing on the radio back then. So, you know, you get to college and you're not hip. It's like, well, it's not my fault. I, I just, you know, I just listened to what I heard and bought those records. So, uh, you know, obviously uh, Kiss was a big influence. Cheap Trick, huge influence. Kinks, um, I like, you know, as far as songwriting, the way Ray mm -hmm. Davies, it was like mid 80s, like, you know, he was a little more melancholy you know it's almost like having a therapist having uh you know listening to like you know everyone likes to bad mouth late like those mid-period kinks albums but i love those records like state of confusion give people what they want and i, I really like those um, that was my first introduction to the kinks really was oh, yeah. those 80s kinks yeah, yeah me too i'm forgetting oh, aerosmith huge you know i love the aerosmith. as far as playing guitar those were like riffs i could kind of play you know i mean i liked all the stuff on the radio like van halen but it didn't really influence us you know you just couldn't no one's going to be David Lee or Eddie. Yeah, that's not, that's never going to happen. You know what I mean? So uh, those would be probably the main growing up. And Billy Squire, Billy Squire's a big one. You know, like she's a runner and those kind of things. They were just good rock records um, that you can kind of play along to and, you know, hit some of those angsty buttons you like to push, you know, when you're that age, you know, uh, and I didn't really date anyone ever in high school um, ever. I didn't like talk to girls. So I just listened to records and played guitar and stuff. So that was, that was my whole world. Right on, right on. Well, that's why we have you. That's why we're good friends, Colin. That's why we're good friends, buddy. Um, <laughs> so um, what was, um, at least in your memory, what was the band's first gig? I think we played the Bill Knapp's Christmas Party. Okay. And, uh, right. Which is, sounds like, I can't believe they hired, like, the youngest guys that work at Bill Knapp's 
And people that don't know what Bill Knapp's is, it was like a restaurant like a Bob Evans in the Midwest. And we would all work there, and I was a busser, and Herb was, and Joe were dishwashers. And they hired us to play like the Christmas party in the annex. And we weren't even singing for ourselves. We had a singer then, and he was under house arrest for some reason. So the three of us played, and, you know, I had to be just the worst. I, we had to brought in a big PA, like we had a PA. And I've that was never the first heard time. Story. Yeah, that's the first time I remember playing out live. We played some kid's party in his basement and it like turned into this huge party where the cops broke everything up mm-hmm. and we were like downstairs and all of a sudden the whole, all of a sudden everything was empty. Um, those are like the high, like we played all these high school gigs like Subway. We've been together so long that we would just play any gig we could. You know, our first campus gig was probably Mr. Brown's or Neely B's when we were like 17 or 18. Right. They booked us there uh, and we were still in high school. So we played like, some campus gigs when we were in high school. See, those clubs are even before my time. I arrived in Columbus in 86 uh, to go to yep. Ohio State. Yep. And yeah, Neely B's was kind of had, I've heard so many stories about it, but it was kind of already, already passed. I, I'm, pretty yeah. sure, I'm pretty sure that the first time I saw you guys was at the Ohio Union in 89 when you guys did a benefit for OSR. Yeah, I remember that show. And then soon after that, you guys did a string of shows at uh, Apollo's. Yeah, we could get booked at Apollo's. That was one of our stops. And, you know, we even played stashes before Dan Dugan owned it. You know, we just, when you're young, you're just, to any gig you can get. Like, Bernie's was the big prize. God, can we play Bernie's? You know, because they, <laughs> they had a crowd. They would pay you. Like, that was, like, the, that was the gig you wanted, you know. And, a bit, you know, that was, like, we'd play Neely B's and Apollo's with an eye on, you know, one day. Maybe we'll get a, a weekday at Bernie's, you know. But, you know, we just. Weekday at Bernie's. <laughs> but we were just, you know, those are the gigs, you know, the gigs, you know, whatever gig you could get, you took it. You know, you right, weren't right. back, you're just doing it. The first show I remember seeing you guys, Todd uh, brought me to a show. Uh, he's like, you got to see these guys. You got to see these guys. And he brought me to a show at Ruby's Basement. You guys actually played down in like the tunnel there by where, the bathrooms. In, in the are basement you, down at Ruby's? No, <laughs> I, really? I know. I don't remember that. I know we played a basement at a place on corner of Lane and High. We played a couple basement gigs whatever that place was called up there. And then Ruby's didn't really have much of a basement. We'd play upstairs. So that I, was more the place to hang out and get stoned. I almost, yeah, yeah. I, I must be confused with another band, but man, they, um, yeah. every time I go down there to the basement now, they've got it um, gated off. And I, I swear, I remember yeah. a watershed show down in that. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that was the hangout area. Now, I that did, was the hangout. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you guys play a side show at the Newport, not on the main stage, mm-hmm. like by, yeah. the, by the back bar. Yeah, and, and you know they have that little half yep. area split off. I remember. Yeah, they used to do. That. They used to do shows. They used to do local shows there, and we uh, we played that a couple times. One time we opened up for the Uninvited, which was kind of a hip band in town, and I think we played another four band bill there. I know one of those we taped it. We have a live show of us playing there. It still is the wire. Um, like all right tonight, and I'm trying to think what songs were in that set. Like on the street. I mean, it was you know we were just writing songs. I you know nothing that. I don't think any of those songs luckily survived, but yeah, I remember playing that room a couple times. And, nice. Um, now you just mentioned it. Um, the original name of the band was the wire. Um, now you changed it to watershed at the beginning of 89. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, maybe 90, 89, 90. I mean, okay. we had just, we had, uh, you know, we were just high school. I'm, I'm so. saying 89 only because that's, that's my personal memory and I, and who knows how accurate that is. Yeah. But you know, we started when we started Willie Phoenix, like produced, you know, thank God, for some reason, <laughs> took a shine to us. I don't know why. Saw us at Bernie's, right? Big gig. We're at Bernie's. Willie's there. And he's like, man, you guys got a nice full sound. You know, we're always like, full sound? Okay, we'll take that. 
<laughs> um, but we ended up doing a, a thing at Music Hall, our first like six song thing with Back to the Car on it, Todd, and all that stuff. But um, but that was we're getting to that was, question later, Con. Yeah, he was like, "Hey, man, you guys got to think about changing your name." And you know, one there was another band from England called Wire. There was no internet back then, so we didn't know. And oh, there is. You know, was that a problem? He's like, sort of. But Willie's like, but the bigger problem is you guys have a reputation for being the band of really loud guys that just brings in ton of under. You're, you're the band that's known as not very good that brings in ton of underage kids. Like, that's not the reputation you want. Now that you're 21, you got to switch your name, come out with this new record, and you got to start fresh. And so it was really Willie Phoenix who said you should switch your name right now when this thing comes out. And somehow the word Watershed came up. And we, you know, I, you know there's, there's a lot of cooler band names than Watershed, but at the time, we, we, we knew enough to know we didn't know what kind of band we were going to be. So we didn't want to back ourselves in the corner with, you know, something like, you know, Battle Axe or, you know what I mean? Something where, you know, <laughs> right. cause you know, like I said, we listened to those rock records growing up, but you know, as we got older, you know, obviously, you know, Springsteen's a huge, you know, as, as the palette expanded, R.E.M., Springsteen, all these things, you know, we, we were always kind of soaking it all in. We were just music fans. So Watershed just seemed like it gave us enough room to go in whatever direction you know, we might go because it's not, you know, it wasn't like we were a metal band or a funk band. We always, and that's where I kind of think like Cheap Trick or the Kinks, we're a band where, yeah, you know, we like to play upbeat and party stuff, but, you know, we also like to play the darker stuff. We kind of like, we kind of like it all, you know? Nice. So we needed a name that we felt like maybe you couldn't quite pigeonhole it out of the gate because we weren't sure what we were really committed to, you know? Right on, right on. Todd, while you're telling this story, uh, Colin, Todd is holding up the original Watershed cassette produced by Willie. And, nice. And showing all the pictures and, and the cool. inserts. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get a close-up. I, I think I got a name drop in, on, on, the, on the thank yous, but I'm not sure on that. So, uh, <laughs> well, I hope you did, yeah. I, I pretty, look, I remember you guys dropping this cassette off at my house as you were, a, you just gotten it done. I was living on 11th Avenue. Uh, and, uh, and you were getting ready to go to Florida for a road trip and play some gigs down there or something like that. And you dropped off one of the first copies at my house. Cool. Well, good. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> we had, I think we had, we had a 45 for that vinyl. I think it was rise and love passes underground or something maybe. And that was our single. 45. Yeah. We, we take it to radio stations. It actually got on some things. It got some, uh, CMJ. It got a little like plays on a few stations. We would, you know, we were always into that stuff you know we just thought it was fun i mean people were like oh you know a lot of the campus record stores you know the word like careerist or whatever was like what we never thought of as that we thought well if you get a record you got to go promote it it was it was just like you know we'd call right you know we'd stop at the local college radio station look we met todd like that's that was just what we did you know we just thought well you know we gotta you can't make a record and a tape and it's not gonna do anything if you just sit home with it why why go to all the trouble right you know I just I remember meeting you guys at that gig at Ohio Union thinking what can I do to help how do how do I spread the word of watershed and uh, I believe you've you definitely done that over the years yeah well I said well you did it so I don't know what the plan was but you know you're working backwards it worked out so, I, right look I you know I did what I could buddy uh you know I I, I yeah. got you on a, I got you on a few uh I got you on a few uh um um boxes oh yeah CD oh. players in Los Angeles when I was out Come on, there. Being on, being on Barney's Beaneries jukebox, yeah. that's huge. That's like, that carries weight. I mean, that's like, that made us look like we were somebody. When we were out there, we were already on the jukebox. Nice. We're on that jukebox. I mean, come on. That's, right on. that's like, Epic Records had to pay some dude 50 grand to make that happen. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's really cool. 
So um, I, I called the head of Epic Records, telling him to pull his head out of his ass and let's start. You know, I, I, I don't know if I, I don't think I helped you out on that. Maybe, maybe that's no, why he, you got I dropped. Think, I think, yeah, I think he dropped us about five minutes later. But that's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of Epic, Todd Baker. Speaking of Epic <clears throat> and your story there, um, this is kind of a generic question, but try to search your brain. Roughly, how many years or and or how many gigs did you play before? "Quote unquote," making it big, and by that we'll say you know before you uh, scored the epic. Before you got signed to Epic, uh, I mean Biggie can answer this literally specifically. <laughs> He's a historian, but you know I don't know. Three hundred? I'm guessing. I, you know, okay. I, I have no idea. I'm not really much of it. I don't really know our history in depth uh, very well, uh, like by the numbers. You but, just you know, make we it. Just, <laughs> well, we just took every gig we could take, so that was kind of the thing, and we knew that you know it's kind of like. You, you know, when you start, start playing music, you can do original music, you can do cover music. So that's your first decision. Covers, obviously, a lot easier. You know, people want to hear those songs. I have respect for cover bands. Nothing against cover bands. I like cover bands. I don't want to hear your shitty songs. Play some Motown. You know what I mean? Like, everyone gets it. But then we do original music, and that's obviously hard. And it's, you got to, you know, you got to, A, you got to write the songs. That's a huge pain in the ass. And then you got to have songs good enough that anyone cares. And you got to play them over and over. And you got to do that. And then the thing is, right, let's say it's going well in your hometown. I mean, there's always some band that's hot in your hometown. Like every three months, like this is the band, right? And everyone's loving you and chicks are digging you and everything's cool. But you got to take that thing on the road if you're really going to do it, right? So you got to get out there. And we just decided, you know, we didn't want to be one of those bands that just stayed in our hometown. We wanted to go play everywhere. And, you know, it's you got to start over. Every gig's like one person, two people, five people. Um, so we really just did made a point of that. and it made us a real band because you got to play for yourselves. You can't play only when crowds like you. I mean, you really learn how to become a good band when you're playing in front of indifference because you realize you're doing it because I love this. I like being with the guys and I love playing this music. And it really, if people want to get on board, that's great, but it's not necessary. It's nice, but it's not necessary, if that makes sense. So we learned that early on that the music was the thing that we got to kick out, the camaraderie and being there and the crowd or the you know people getting into it as much as we all enjoy that there's good things that come with that it wasn't our it didn't define us you know what i mean we could have a great show with four people there i mean we could you know and And i've seen a couple of those Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yep and and that's where we would you know we would that was our thing that we challenge our bar that every night we should be as good as we can be so then when it came time and things started going better and whatever happened and people were interested in this and we were drawing more crowds you know, we, we had like a, we felt secure and like kind of who we were. And I think that helps you get signed. Cause you know, you know, it's, you know, I don't know. You're just not, you're not like totally seeking approval. If that makes sense. You're just going to yeah. do your thing. And if it works out great. And if not, you know, we'll, we'll play, we'll try again tomorrow night. Kind of right thing, on, you know, right how did the Epic deal come about? Well, you know, it, it came about from like a lot of hard work and albums and this and that. And, but it, specifically we would send out packages we all lived together to save rent money and we all we lived on the we toured all the time and booked all our own shows and playing cbs and all these places but the last package i sent out one day i was sitting there like well my this girl we went to high school with uh live now lives with a guy who used to be sound man for kiss maybe we should send him a package and that's like obviously the stupidest thing ever right but like you know why not we'll send we have our press kits and i remember joe being like really like yeah i'll send it out to you know amy so we send out a press kit to a classmate of ours who's now in New York and dating this guy. He used to run sound for Kiss on the Dynasty tour, I might add. I believe he did. 
Um, and his name was Don what? Don, Ke- Don Keller. So we send out, and it's How Do You Feel is the song. So How Do You Feel gets out there, whatever. It's literally just throwing, this is just, you know, they say you throw seeds and maybe something grows, right? And we've been turned down. We have rejection letters. We've been turned down a bunch of labels. And, you know, we're, we're doing what you try to do, right? Playing gigs. We're trying to just get the word out, get the music out. We don't know what getting a record deal means per se. We just know we want to get, want to get the word out. So we're doing that. And then we get a call. I don't know how much later. Hey, you know, it turns out that Don works with a guy named Jim Steinman. And Don had somehow played this to Jim Steinman's driver, Charles. And Charles started liking our tapes. And he would play it in the limo, which is hard to believe in a car. It used to be a cassette player. And he was playing <laughs> our songs. And finally, Steinman's like, man, I really like this. Who is this? And he said, it's this band Watershed. Don gave it to me. So Steinman, Jim Steinman of Meatloaf and all that crazy stuff, right? Who's, you know, obviously a legend. Um, he loved it. So then he was like, who are these guys? I'd like to work with them. So Don came out to Columbus and, you know, saw us at the Newport. And, you know, every, that's, that's where everything checks out, right? The thing you make your own luck, you come see us play. And it's, wow, there's like, there's people here and they're singing along. So he was like, wow, I think we've got something. So then we ended up after that, you know, things moved really quickly after that. I mean, they wanted to manage us. They set up showcases in New York. We cut demos at the power station, you know, just with no money, just on spec. They just let us do it because Jim had spent so much time there and money. He was working on Bad of Hell too. So he'd spent like a bazillion dollars in there. So when he wanted to take a band and record him, they just basically cut us some kind of reasonable deal. And then Epic Records signed us, you know? So, and we always liked Epic because Cheap Trick was on it. That's not, I'm sure that's not very good. That's not very good business. How was that to be on the same label as your, as your, you know, heroes, Cheap Trick? Oh, it's the fucking best. I mean, like, and I mean, and then our A&R guy was a guy named Frankie LaRocca, you know, God rest his soul. He was the best. And he was a drummer. He played in the David Johansson band. He was a real, he wasn't a a suit, man. He was like a real rock and roller. So right when we like signed with, the label, whatever, out there, he, like, sent us an advanced copy of Cheap Trick Live at Budokan 2, which, by the way, is out of print. This is the one that was really mixed with, like, loud guitars and all the dark stuff. And, like, that was, like, the coolest thing. We got an advanced – we got a secret Cheap Trick record from our A&R guy because he knew we were such big fans. I mean, I think we were more excited about that than, you know, half the things on the record deal. But it, it was uh, – yeah, it was obviously just a – you know, it was – it was you know, it was a thrill. It was crazy. We were young. Um uh, so it was, yeah, it was really, it was really, yeah, it was really cool. All right. So now Colin, I, I know, I know Kevin is desperately trying to stick to this list of 20 questions we had for her, but we're way, way off track, but no, we're, we're actually right on track. We just said, uh, we only have to double back to one. So, all right. So, so let's, let's, let's go, let's go to the one of the few questions I remember here. Uh, how how much of your how much of your advance money was wasted on uh, Jim Steinman's weed and sushi? <laughs> Man, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> the sushi, uh, probably a good amount. I, you know, the weed, he was a really, he's a big weed connoisseur. You know what I mean? Like, that was like his thing, man. And um, so, I, you know. Before it was legal, too, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, the, the, Jim Steinman doesn't live by, like, rules of planet Earth. I mean, he's doing his own <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? He's, 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 he's a true eccentric, you know, artist, you know. I mean, we ended up doing the record in New York. And our manager, our, of our many managers, Sonnenberg's like, don't do it here. It's too expensive. Steinman's going to get, you know, Jim will burn through your cash, blah, blah, blah. But Jim was the guy who really championed us. I mean, he was really the one. I mean, he got Richard Griffith, the president of Epic Records, flew in on the Concord to meet Jim Steinman to take us to see the gig. The gig, I think you were at, Todd, in New York City at the downtime where we yeah. basically cinched the deal. 
So if a guy's going to do that for you, you got to go, you kind of got to roll with it, you know, because it was like, and we weren't stupid. And we, we knew, we looked at everything that was going on and we made the best judgments we could make. So doing it in New York City was obviously, you know, expensive and all this stuff on its own way. But man, we lived off $15 a day. We had our own apartment. We all shared it together. We were thrilled to be there. It was a blast. And, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything because I'm sure we would have yeah. just we would have burned through that money touring anyway because we were always touring act. So it wasn't like we had our heads up our ass all the way, but we felt like, you know, we owed it to Jim to kind of let him take the lead on this thing. And, uh, you know, and, and it's, that's what we did. And, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it was, it was fine. I mean, Jim, you know, he's a great guy when he's there. He's, you know, he's an eccentric guy, but he always was a, you know, he said, like we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a career without Jim Steinman. So we're always in his debt. And, uh, you know, it was, um, you know, it, it was, it was fun time, but yeah. Yeah, if a, 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 we had an accountant in the band, he probably would have been freaking out, you know. But <laughs> hey, Colin, look, you, you know, I always got to ask one of those "what the hell was that" questions. Come on now, Colin. <laughs> and I think sure. this, uh, Todd, you might not remember this one, but this is another similar one. Um, uh, well, it's not so uh, similar, but um, how did you guys get Cheap Trick to show up at the library bar? That's a good well, question. <laughs> that was really nothing. I mean, you know, first of all, Frankie LaRocca our awesome anr guy he was so cool he basically got us those gigs from some gigs with chief trick that summer because he knew we were fans and he knew rick because he had played drums with uh john Waite on that tour when they toured together frankie just was you know he's a pro musician so he knew all he knew everybody the tricksters i'll call the tricksters you know you got to play with those guys uh but having said that you know through the years i would go hang around back behind the newport and wait for like chief trick to show up as a kid like biggie and i one time were waiting there and it was um it was a comeback show at the Newport where Tom was playing with him again and lap of luxury hadn't come out. So cheap trick was kind of on the skids. Right. And we met him every time they played, we'd meet him backstage. Like we met Dave Masca backstage one time he was there randomly. So I think when we got the show, we played with Andy Rick's like, I got to hang out. Rick wants to talk to you guys. And he's like, you guys actually got a record deal. Cause he would remember me like giving him a cassette of the wire, like at his tour bus. So he was like, holy shit, these terrible bands on Epic Records. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he's like, what, well, these kids got a deal. So when we played Columbus, I don't know what night of the week it was. I think someone said it was a Sunday, but they had nowhere else to go. And they're just so gracious. They're the best guys. And they didn't, where are we going out tonight, guys? So whenever we played Columbus, we always went to the library with every band because it was just off the beaten path. And if you've never been... I'm assuming most people listening to this, or maybe most have, I don't know. <laughs> the Library Bar, owned by Cricket, it's like most Tavern, but a little cooler. Just a little. You know what I mean? That's the vibe. And that's where we go, because it was just a nice place to hang out after the show. And all the guys came in. I remember everyone was there, and I was talking to Tom or something. And he went, holy shit, Bunny's coming in. Because I guess Bunny never went out. And even <laughs> Bunny Carlos came and hung out, like, all night. Nice. And, you know, it was pre-cell phones. And the guys, it wasn't like they just popped in. They were there for hours. I played, like bowling with rick on that old machine for like an hour and they were there and they just did it because they knew we were huge fans and they were just that's just i don't know what to say those guys are just the coolest friggin' band ever i mean you know they made our nights and a lot of people in columbus's nights and they just did it because those guys are just gracious guys they knew it would, they knew it would mean a lot in our hometown because any other time we played with them we never hung out afterward but in columbus they said let's all go out and that's Ooh, really nice. cool that I is just awesome. wish I had a camera that night, Colin. I know you got a couple of pictures, but I got nothing. All I got is good memories. So yeah, know. the only 
the only picture is my my girlfriend at the time, Susan, took had the, had the presence of mind to take a picture with each member of the band. So there's just pictures of them there. But they nice. still talk about that night at the library when Cheap Trick, you know, was hanging out. You know, oh yeah, Dude, that's there, awesome. There's, there's still a uh, there's still a frame up in the up in the library bar of the uh, yeah. of the uh, symbol you guys gave them that was signed. Yeah, yeah, they were there all night. So, We've talked you know, to. We've talked about it many times on this show uh, where, you know, Todd and I are, are at a certain age to where, um, you know, we don't have all these um, cell phone pics and selfies and a, oh. and a documentation of everything we did. One of the reasons we're doing this podcast, you know, to kind of put yeah. some of these stories well, down. Well, think about it. nowadays. Nowadays, that never would have. That, that, it would have been over in two minutes. All of Cheap Tricks hanging out the library bar on campus right now, it would have been 300 <laughs> people would have rolled in there. You know, it was, it yeah. was really just a bar night, and it was just like – it was just like – it never got any bigger. It was like 30 people. Whoever was there was there, and we just partied with Chief Trick all night. It was great. Nice, nice. Um, okay, well, moving on to a, a, a different kind of bar. Um, what are your memories of playing at the House of Blues in Los Angeles? Well, here's what I remember. Our career was really on the line right around that. We knew, you know, we knew, we didn't know we were going to get dropped, like, in two weeks, but we knew we had to, you know, we, we were on the firing line. And it was our first it was our first show out in LA as a member of Epic. And the Smithereens were opening for the Smithereens. And I think actually Kathy Valentine's band opened for us on the bill with Clem Burke, which is crazy. Right. Yeah, so, right. Right. It's crazy. So we're touring the whole country with the Smithereens. And once again, the best guys. But Jim Babjack's wife's pregnant at this point. And you know, God, God rest her soul. She passed away recently. So he's any moment his wife could like give birth and the tour would be canceled. And we're just like, Oh, please, God, you can't cancel L.A. Like, we've got to get to L.A. It's like our – we've never – we've been an East Coast band, a Chicago band the whole time. We've never got to hang out in L.A., and we've got to get out there and, like, at least meet people. You know what I mean? We've got to give ourselves a chance because we're freaking – you know, we're on the chopping block here, you know, with the label. You know, because, you know, Epic's tough. It's us and Rage Against the Machine. I mean, it's – you know, it's like – it's like being on an NBA Allison team. Chains. Yeah, you're on an NBA team now. The bench is those 10 dudes. You know what I mean? So you're the last guy on the bench. So – we get out there. So I remember just being happy it happened. We stayed at the Riot House, which is awesome. House of Blues is incredible. And they actually, like, treat you so well that they were like, we didn't have – because the Smithereens took the whole main suite. Even though we were the opening band, like, they're like we felt bad you guys didn't get a locker room, uh, of dressing room. So we got you a suite across at the Hyatt. So you have an extra party suite to, like, entertain people. So we, like, we like threw a party in Los Angeles. And it was like, we threw like a real party. We threw a better party in Los Angeles than I could throw on my house on campus. It was like, unbelievable. I was there. Were you there, Todd? Yeah, I don't know. I was, was there. That. It was unbelievable. And then like once like... The, the, the only problem up, was we, we, we uh, well, for, first of all, we weren't, we didn't have the sunset view, which was, you know, that's acceptable. They love, you know, the opening... I, I, didn't, I didn't know enough about what I was even looking at in LA. I was like, I was like... In, I don't but know uh, I remember Joe complaining that the windows wouldn't open, so we couldn't throw the TV out the window. <laughs> Someone was throwing like water balloons out the window. There were like members of the San Francisco Giants were in there hanging out. The Smithereens. It was, it was great. Um, you know, but the, so yeah, that was fun. It was our only, and, and we kind of knew that what was going down. So we met our our Sony rep, and our Sony rep was guy. God, I want to say his name was Michael Chancellor. Out in, out in L.A., this is like the guy assigned to us. And he basically said, listen, man, you know, it's probably – you guys probably aren't going to be long for this label. I got this card and I got this expense account. Let's use it. And we just went – we just pounded that thing. And we just we went out. We went to, you know, I think, Todd, we went to Barney's Beanery, right? You must have been there, right, the first time. Yep. Uh, the only person that. we knew in L.A. So we went there. First place we walk into, Quentin Tarantino's there. We, like, walk into each other's backs. Like, you know, these hicks from Ohio show up. 
And then we just, you know, we're just rocking around LA. We're just having a blast. Um, and then we go to meet a bunch of people the next day. And like the last person at Epic Records, I remember this. And this is nothing to be proud of, but it is a Midwestern thing. The last guy like comes, he's like, Jesus, you guys all smell like beer. I'm like we do. Cause we had been just, you know, that's just how we roll when you're from Ohio. Uh, I remember 26. Being, <laughs> I don't, but it, like this is at Epic Records, you know, their main offices out West. So, but we had a great time and, you know, the show was not great. I thought we were okay, but it was, I'm just glad we got to play it and play the West coast and, you know, be there and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and um, that's, you know, it was just, it was just, it was, a a little, spar- little- it was a sparse LA crowd for the openers. I will have to admit. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't worried about that too much. Like we, I don't even, you know, it, it, it looked pretty big to me when you're up with the smithereens, it's all big crowds. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it was a, uh, but, you know, it was, it was a really uh, – I'm glad we got to play it. It was a really fun time and all that other stuff, you know, which is kind of something we just – we didn't do very often. I remember Dan Aykroyd came into our dressing room, and he asked how, how they're treating us. And I was like, oh, you know, really good. He's like, I never asked the headliners because I know they're going to treat the headliners well. I always ask the opening act how it's going, which I thought that was really cool. And then later I, I, saw, I saw Dan taking the trash out himself. That's the story I remember. That's the yeah. story because I remember arguing with my crazy girlfriend in the front of the uh, 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 House of Blues at the time, and I missed seeing Dan Aykroyd. I, oh, good lord! <laughs> hey, um, yeah, he came, he came in to check on just us. We had a little tiny like closet locker room. You know, locker. I keep saying locker room, dressing room. And you know, yeah, he uh, he chopped. How you guys doing? You know, I'm Dan. You know, and it's, I mean, I showed you that guy's heart, right? That's really cool. That that's badass. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. I, I remember I remember that weekend well because, you know, I had been in L.A. for just a few months and, uh, you know, living solely on my uh, unpaid credit cards. And, um, <laughs> and, and and remember, you guys, I heard came over to my apartment for a little bit. We took a little drive down Sunset, went out to the beach. Uh, we went to Barney's Beanery and ran into, well, actually scared the shit out of Quentin Tarantino, uh, as far as my recollection goes. Um, oh, yeah. Again, I, you know, I had such a great time at that show at the House of Blues for the fact that I'm seeing my buddies open <laughs> for the Smithereens in L.A., dude. I'm telling you, Colin, that was one of the greatest thrills of my life, bro. Well, that's cool, man. No, um, it was a lot of fun. Speak, you've already talked about the uh, cheap trick of the Smithereens, so obviously they're probably going to be the answer to this question. But um, some favorite bands that you uh, guys uh, got to open for or toured with? Yeah, I mean, cheap trick and Smithereens obviously are you know two of the big ones up. Dashrup Rock, one of the first bands to take us on the road. Loved them. Yeah, down in New Orleans. I mean, like those guys. I mean, legends. Bill Davis and you know obviously Hokey and. Chris Lucky and then Kyle were in the band. Uh, you know, really, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better first band to take you on the road. And, uh, you know, through that, we did some shows with Cowboy Mouth because Fred used to be, obviously, in Dasher Brock. So we, we just had this little weird connection with the New Orleans bands down there. So that was always awesome. Anytime, you know, you can watch a band like Dasher Brock, you know, do their thing and, you know, take us. We play all these places through the South, you know, crazy places. Uh, you know, the Clarks in Pittsburgh were always really good to us. They always drew a great crowd, and that was always fun playing with those guys. Uh, they always treated us really well, and it was really, you know, nice for them to, to look out for us. Um, and, you know, I, you know, 
you know, not you know really never as many you know obviously people like talking the insane clown posse shows but <laughs> we never really got as many tours as we'd like to do we opened for lots of different bands here and there but really those are the ones that just stick out that were like you know took us on the road for like extended periods of time and they, they were great i mean it was really great so now, so. Do, do you think that thing still kind of exists in the music scene today colin where you know if you're if you're one of those you know, young budding bands trying to make your way in there. Can can you you know go to a city like Detroit or Chicago or Pittsburgh or Cleveland and go? Hey, you know what? Let's 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 help each other out a little bit. I mean, I'm sure with house shows and stuff. You know, I'm I'm not really in the game anymore like that. But I'm sure with house shows and you know pre-pandemic, now it's all screwed. But right. yeah, I think there's always that you know vibe or people looking out. You know, you know, you know, and way to bond with buddies. And you know, we we obviously do a lot with Detroit, like I should say that, like, you know, Horace and the Generals and those guys, and, you know, just bands you're friends with, you just try to hook up shows, Paranoid Lovesick up in Cleveland, we would always, you know, swap out gigs uh, with bands when you could, uh, you know, but I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that'll, that always, it's easier than dealing with a promoter, so, you know, you just bring your buddy's band in, and they bring your, you in, you know, because a lot of clubs don't really care, you know, who's on the bill, you know, if they're, if they're you know, selling enough drinks, right. so yeah, I'm sure that'll live forever, you know. So that kind of leads to one, another question that maybe it's kind of the end of the list, but so when this whole pandemic thing is over, Colin, who do you got to see when, when, when music comes back, what, what's the band that you got to go see one more time? It's funny, you, you know, cause this, you're not going to expect this answer, but I was telling my wife this not too long ago that if there's one band I could just see one more time, it'd be Terry Anderson, the Olympic ass kicking team. I just, right I love that band. I love yeah, those guys. Yeah, that, that, that'd be the band I was thinking, like, if I could, I just got to see one more band one time. I just got to see those guys. I just, I just, like, love their band, their songs, their vibe as people. Like, that's something I was, that's one I have to see. I mean, I've seen most, you know, the arena acts a bunch. So not that I don't want to go see all those bands or big acts, but yeah, that's my answer. Terry Anderson, <laughs> that's, if I could right. see one more band, and maybe Marah. I'd like to see Marah one more time, too, out of Philly. Nice, you know, nice. That'd be really cool. So, all right, if anybody's watching this or listening to this, check those bands out. Colin has just given you a couple of good recommendations. All right, I got a question for both of you guys. Did you ever see any concerts together? I know, I, I can't recall any. I know there's shows that all three of us have Cheap seen trick, at the same time. Yeah. Cheap, Cheap Trick at uh, Easton parking lot. <laughs> all right. that, yeah, that was a crazy show. I mean, I'm sure Todd and I saw shows together. I just don't, you know, back in those days, you would just kind of roll in and, yeah, everyone was kind of there, so I wasn't really paying attention. But yep. yeah, that Cheap Trick at Easton show. I mean, I remember that was almost like on a Sunday. Like, hey, did you hear Cheap Tricks playing? You know, <laughs> someone posted that on uh, shows. Maybe it's your tape, Todd. It's on YouTube. Someone put that up. It was. It's a great set too. They really kill it. Nice. Um, well, the uh, the 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 one show that that I wish we could have seen together. And again, this is a another long story, well off the twenty question list here. But, you know, there was a time in my senior year of college when I really wanted to see you guys play somewhere around South Carolina. And me and Mick and Weeb decided we would drive down on a Wednesday about 2 in the morning. And I think you guys were playing on Friday. I had a crucial midterm that day and a wedding I was supposed to be at the next day. We ended up getting to Herb's house in Hilton Head Friday morning, 
you guys had already left the place. And by the time we got to figure out where you were playing, we had already missed the show. Uh-huh. So I, 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 I did not make my midterm somewhere. There is a husband and wife that did not have a DJ at their wedding. Uh, all because oh, I am. wanted to go see Watershed somewhere in South Carolina. So <laughs> I don't remember the shows. I do remember we stayed at Herb's dad's condo for like a day. Yeah, we had a, we were touring and there was something there. And I remember we were. I mean, you know, this. You know, we. I do remember this. That we, we, we were can, waiting. We, in, we were waiting in front of the liquor store. I don't want like, to delve deep into this. So, yeah, you know. no, we were we were waiting at a liquor store at like ten in the morning before it opened on a Sunday just to get some <laughs> reinforcements. And then by the time we got to Herb's place, like the cops had already like called his dad. Like, you know, there's these dudes hanging out on your balcony, like drinking. You know what I mean? It's like our off day. Sundays <laughs> were always a big day with Watershed if we didn't play. We weren't always like that. We're not like Motley Crue, but I. I do remember uh, that was, and Dave Martin was with us, and we were on a tour, and Herb's dad had a timeshare or some kind of condo in Hilton Head, and we got to stay there for a night. So that was obviously a, a big deal when you're a broke band driving around in a van with no air conditioning to have a place in Hilton Head. That was pretty cool. So, <laughs> Right on, right on. All right, well, we're going to uh, talk uh, We're going to talk about the new record here, um, but before we do that, um, while we have you on the show, uh, since uh, this is episode Y, there are two bands that we were going to talk about tonight, and I know that at least I've seen you cover both bands, so I don't know what your concert history is with either one, but I'm talking about uh, Dwight Yoakam and Neil Young. Sure. Do um, yeah. Uh, tell me any concert stories you might have for either one that pop in your head, maybe one for each. I mean, I've seen Dwight probably. 10 or 11 times i mean dwight's probably in my top 10 all-time favorite music everyone i mean off the top of my head i mean he no, might be no, top no surprise there seven. i love i love dwight yokum you know i came to that party late didn't know anything about him really didn't listen to any new country and you know we'd heard he was cool uh and then we finally bought one of his records and i remember it was only uh hurts me when i cry came on the record and i remember biggie and i had enjoyed that song we used to listen to truck and bozo on 700 a.m we drive all night because you can get that all over the country on uh a.m radio and just we just became huge dwight yokum fans and still am i mean i, I just think the guy's amazing turns out he's from columbus who knew mm-hmm. um so i've seen him a bunch uh you know i i saw uh, you know i don't have any great story i did have a did chance you see to go him? backstage and meet him in did Columbus you, at uh, Polar, uh, Polaris one time. Nice. And I just said no because I heard he's kind of cantankerous. <laughs> and I was kind of had a few beers. I'm like, you know, I'm not one of those guys who needs to meet my heroes. You know, he doesn't need mm. to talk to me. And his family's from here. But I still have that backstage pass, I think, on the back of my Telecaster. So I put it on there. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, Dwight's, Dwight's awesome. Speaking then, of uh, – uh, You know, Neil – Oh, I was going to just, uh, I was going to just add to the Dwight conversation here real quick. Speaking of meeting him, you said, you know, he might be kind of cantankerous. One of the more recent times I've seen him was down at the Bluestone. And um, number one, he was looking very old. And I, I think he had a hip problem at the time. So, you know, it, he, he really was showing his age when he came on stage. But yeah, did, I was at that show. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, he did a meet and greet right before the show. And literally my buddy had bought uh, tickets for the meet and greet and they literally, they shuffled them in Colin six minutes before the show, like a, a group of about 40 people. So I don't know how much time they had with Dwight, but you know, it's literally like walk up, take the picture, you know, and go. And he was back out, you know, in the crowd within 10 minutes. And then the show started maybe five minutes after that. So I just thought that was kind of crazy, but um, yeah. Did you see Dwight Yoakam in 1988 at the Ohio State Fair by chance? Uh, 
uh, it was inside. I did not. I, okay, I saw, this was I, outside at the old grandstands, actually. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah no, Governor, I, I did not. I was, Governor Celeste at the time presented him with a signed Route 23 sign, like a real road sign, you know, that you would go and steal with your buddies. Yeah. Yeah, Governor Celeste yeah. at the time walked out and presented him with that for, like, his contribution to Columbus music history. So I thought that was, you know, pretty cool. That's really cool. No, I pro- we probably didn't get into Dwight till like um, you know, we were late to that party, like ninety okay. one. Yeah, I, I don't okay. know, you know, we we just didn't know about that stuff. And we weren't really like, you know, new country guy. Not that he was new country, we didn't know. You know, it wasn't we didn't right. listen to those records, we didn't know what was going on. Uh God, yeah, we just you know, Dwight's just you know, the man. A lot right. you know, and you know, and you know, we're a huge fan. So. Hear you. I hear well, you. Colin, all I want to know is how come there isn't an official recording of Turn Me On, Turn Me Up, Turn Me Loose? Because you do a great version of that. I Isn't it on? It's on Star Vehicle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a secret track on Star Vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bonus track. Todd's confused I, I here, but uh, he, he's... I don't on... have a copy of that. I don't have a copy of that. <laughs> of Star Vehicle? Uh, you know, of, the, of, of the bonus track? No, I don't. Yeah, no, it's that's the version. CD. It's on there, yeah. It's on your it's CD. On you it's just it's turned it. You must be turning it off after the last track. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll have to. I'll have to look at that. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then seg, seg, segueing segueing into Neil Young Crazy Horse didn't there exactly lie, which is a bonus track. Is a total Neil Young Crazy Horse ripoff. Mm-hmm. We just put those songs on there because Star Vehicle would come out, and then the label it was going to be on it all fell apart. So we got in our hands for like a week before it was being repressed. So we thought, why don't we just add three songs to it? You know, that were just demos. But, you know, it would just be fun. You know, once again, with Watershed, we're like music fans. Wouldn't it be cool to have a version with bonus tracks that we put something wrong and uh, turn me up, turn me loose, didn't exactly lie, which, you know, don't really make a whole lot of sense. But I don't have something- this. <laughs> Todd, you this. must have the original yeah. pressing, Todd. You know, you're a real fan. You got the first pressing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah and it's, it's a star vehicle with the American flags upside down and all that stuff. That's someone. And then it's all remixed and stuff. But star vehicles way more rocking and stuff. the one stuff, I have. But- yeah, so that's the one. But yeah, so didn't exactly lie. It was definitely, you know, sounded like, you know, a Neil Young thing. And I'm a Neil Young Crazy Horse fan. I mean, I like Neil Young, but I'm like, Crazy Horse is my jam. Like, right. you know, and I'm not like, it's not like Dwight. I'm a bigger Dwight Yoakam fan than Neil Young fan. Did I know you it sounds crazy. Greendale tour. Yeah, I did not. I've only seen Crazy <laughs> Horse one time, and it was awesome. And that was, you know, that was, that, that was, you know, whatever, you know, he hasn't been around, but, but anyway, you know, that, that kind of vibe, especially with the boulders and stuff is a little more, you know, Watershed's definitely more cheap trick. I should say that we kind of put band, we have some of these songs that we kind of take our songs and put them in bands, like the boulders right. where we put our Georgia satellite songs and the, the bones are kind of where I'd put like, you know, maybe more of the personal stuff. And then right. Watershed's kind of more our wheelhouse, like kinks, cheap trick kind of stuff. So, gotcha. you know, and it, and in there is somewhere, and you know, the Neil Young stuff is just with Crazy Horse. That's just that's just fun to play in bars. You know, and that we just enjoy it because we're just rock fans. And I've it's been, you know that kind of thing. I hear you. Um, I've been you know? fishing for shows that we may have seen together. Did you see Neil Young in 1986 at the Ohio Center? The, the third yeah. world. The, the third... one time I saw. Go ahead. The one time I saw Neil was at a, a Horde Fest. Oh, okay. Um, you know, whatever in Columbus outside. Oh, okay, and gotcha, it awesome. gotcha. It was crazy horse. The hair went on my when they opened up at the end of the black, like I got chills. I can still remember. <laughs> it was freaking awesome. 
I don't know if yep. you I don't know if you um, remember or seen bootlegs or anything of that tour. The uh, Third World's Best Garage Band in uh, 1986. He was still kind of coming off of the live rust thing with the had the fascination with giant stuff. So it was a giant garage. Um, you know, he had a giant washing machine in the corner, giant tire. Um, the roadies were dressed as mice and they would run out like hunched over to, you know, do what, do their thing. Um, God, yeah, I don't remember that. The, 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 uh, curtain, the curtain, uh, was a garage door, you know, and of course when it opened for set one, it made the sound of the garage door going up. Uh, a neighbor, yeah. a neighbor came and complained and, you know, about them making so much noise. That's what, um, ended the first set or no actually what ended the first set after the neighbor complained the, the neil's mom <laughs> called on the phone and said neil uh you know you're gonna have to stop that practice uh you, we're, we're gonna send some exterminators uh down uh to uh, take care of the mice and so of course uh, some guys came on sprayed dry ice todd this tour there's actually a bootleg where sam kennison plays the angry neighbor who comes in and yells at him. Uh, so see if you can find that. But anyway, that was a pretty cool I way wish to I had seen that. I wish I had seen that tour. That, that show would have been good. Uh, that, you know. that was a pretty cool way to discover Neil. So anyway, and then Todd had mentioned, Colin, cool. the, Todd had mentioned the Greendale tour. Neil, of course, is his own artist. And on that tour, you could literally see the people at Polaris getting more and more pissed off with each song as they realized that he was going to play the whole new album. <laughs> And and not play anything old. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah, I remember hearing that story. Yeah, so now yeah, the no, people, that's, now, that's, that's tough to pull. He yeah. he ended up playing, you know, four songs with Crazy Horse right. after the whole, you know, play was over. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that that was a long wait, you know, for <laughs> Hey Hey My Mind. Right, right. Yeah. So, Tyler, uh, Colin, we're going to give you a chance to uh, actually talk about uh, the new Watershed album. The new music! Yay! <laughs> so, um, tell no, me, I appreciate I'm, it. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at my, my you'll, you'll have to verify this. I'm looking at, I must have the old copy of uh, Star Vehicle, because I do not have. Uh, yeah, Todd has the, the other cover with the silver, you know, silver cover yeah. with the Watershed logo, so. The star and all stuff. Yeah, all right, well, yeah, we got to get that to you. That's, uh. You're right. falling down the super fan rankings tonight, my friend. This is going to knock you down. And, uh, and, and I, I just well, now I, I do have, I do have the bonus right around it. I, I do have the bonus two CD or two song CD with Star Vehicle and Black Concert T-shirt with the McDonald's uh, cover on it. So I got that. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, it's a single, right? Oh, geez. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got to remedy that. Um, yeah. So we you know we got the new record together. We've been recording stuff the whole time finishing it's an issue all that kind of thing mm -hmm. you know and it's funny with watershed when you talk about like glory days like to us like the epic record stuff was like we were still just kids like we really have had probably three highs i would say that have been four outside of epic that are bigger you know uh the more it hurts uh you know can't be myself did really well fifth of july that whole era was just the best the band ever was mm. and then you know with brick and mortar hitless wonder came out and that was a sensation you know so like that was really so people have different feelings about different eras you know mm. um so with the new record that's just a four song thing but we went back up with tim Paddlin, who really you know saved our you know you know the more it hurts in fifth july at the end of the day are really the two watershed records that form the most important part of our career, uh, which is odd because it was in the middle of our career and critics noted that. You don't see many bands hit their stride later 
and we did. And the, so anytime we can work with Tim, that's cool. We had booked a time at, way in advance because, you know, we're not like full-time guys anymore, anything like that. And we got up there in that barn and we just had four or five days to go for it. And Tim was in rare form. And, you know, we just felt like, let's finish these four songs and put them out. We've got other things in the can that are sitting around, but we just wanted to put that out as a collection and it just felt right. And uh, we feel really great about it. Um, we feel great about all, all the stuff we release, but it's beautiful it really cool to be there. And it's nice of you to represent the state of Ohio in it. Thank right? you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's an awesome graphic design where you worked in basically. That's all Biggie. Yeah, Biggie did every. Biggie's a master. He did all that stuff and the video for Bleeding on a Blank page. That was all Biggie, and you know it was really cool. It was a really small project. It was really the project. You know, was uh, just uh, Tim Paddle and Joe Herb and I. Herb had never recorded with Tim. You know, he didn't. Dave Maskell played all the right. Tim Paddle albums. So to get those guys together, there was no one out, no outside help. Biggie did the artwork, and I think maybe Rick Kinzinger helped master the tracks. He was, Rick's in the band, but he couldn't be up there at the time. So we just did it, and it was just a really pure rock and roll moment of like four days laying it all down. It was, you know, done and knocked out. So we just, it, um, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't be happier with it. And, nice. uh, you know, it felt like it was just a cool thing to put out. As you know, like standalone and not like not add other things or try to jump. We talked about it. It's not smart to put out a four song, thirty you know big record, but it just felt artistically. If we would have added things we had done, it would have diluted the kind of the vibe. So mm -hmm. we just decided this is what we're going to do, and th there it is. So, dude, as a vinyl fan, um, you always support you one hundred percent, buddy. You know that, <laughs> right? Well, as a vinyl fan, you're on the phone with us, so you're not seeing you know behind me, but you know I have my whole collection behind me, and it's cool to just have a watershed record. I mean, that's really cool. oh. Look, believe me, we, we, we should put Mort Hurts and uh, Fitz July especially should be on vinyl at some point. That I would such be great first record. in line. <laughs> yeah, but, but we can't, you know, um, it just, we just, we're more working, on, we, we, you know, for better or for worse, we're always looking forward. That would be a no-brainer. And uh, here, I'll, I'll, here's a question for you. We've talked about this. The smart thing to do would be a double album and be like, and do a Watershed Greatest Hits double vinyl album. So if you guys ever want to put your, dream list together of what would be on that you know send it our way because uh that we thought Todd that would is, be a cool that, is, that, that, is that a challenge colin todd is, is completely out? geeking out right now it's at this, at yeah. this uh, potential yeah. soundtrack uh, yes it, when, when hitless wonder gets reissued whenever that comes up because it will you know i was like soundtrack to the book hitless we do a soundtrack be, to a book yeah that would be hitless great I'm gonna, I'm gonna start i'm gonna start auctioning off my my kiss items now uh <laughs> so i can save money for the uh you know for the donation it's necessary yep. Yep, me and Todd yeah, are number one and two on the Kickstarter for sure. Yeah, so um, no, it'd be it'd be it'd be fun to do something like that, and we get it. We, there's no re we can do it. There's no reason not to do it. It's just, it's just more just like we're always thinking, you know, like Willie Phoenix would tell us. You know, we're more worried about going forward, uh, but you know, at some point it would be cool to have that kind of thing out there and on vinyl, and you know. How uh, long just, have just, I been talking about a watershed box set? Now, come on, Colin. Uh, I know. Yeah, yeah I maybe mean, it would be obviously, obviously, yeah. I mean, that would be cool, but uh. Like I said, like, we'll, we'll see, but that's, that's definitely in the back of our minds of putting together like a double record, big open gatefold, like with a big history, a bunch of songs. I think mm -hmm. that would be a cool thing to do. Oh, uh, awesome. you know, so, you know, we'll oh, go from awesome. there. And then, okay, he's been do. We, we, we drive you down to Athens, Georgia. I introduce you to David Barbie. Uh, he's a great producer. Uh, you know, I, I, I know for sugar. But uh, but I, I think I think maybe the guys in the drive-by truckers might be willing to help you out on a project like that. We'll we'll get a uh, you know we'll get a, a 
a package deal kind of thing going. I, I think it'd be I think it'd be a great combination. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, Todd's we'll always see. pushing right, his dreams. <laughs> Todd, Todd's always pushing his dreams, Colin. There is a rumor that there might have been some ballot box stuffing involved in your 1988 win for the Lantern's Best Local Band Award. True or false? Oh, we totally stuffed that thing. <laughs> you know, now, now this isn't a federal election. There's not observers from both sides. <laughs> right. Yeah, we just we we were living in, we were living in apartments at Harrison House. And, you know, the whole floor is out. We were friends and guys were all partying. And then we saw that, like, why don't we just stuff this thing? And, like, we won. Like, we, 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 we barely had any gigs. We were playing, like, Neely B's and all this stuff. And there's a picture of us on there. And it's like we beat out the OSU marching band on the toll, for God's sake. <laughs> the best band. You know? Um, that was just, that was just you know, fun, just good time. I guess in a way that watershed, you can look at two ways to do our minds. It's not like it's punk rock, but we always just thought it was funny. So, you know, we would just do stuff like that. <laughs> that um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's awesome. No, it got it got it got us gigs. We got we got gigs in Athens and that. We were voted best band. <laughs> right, okay, we just got a, we got a few more things here, and then I want to let you plug some stuff. But um, what are your predictions for the Buckeyes this year? I'm just going to ask college football. <laughs> Let's talk about football. Uh, I mean, the Buckeyes should you know we're on the table in the Big Ten. There's not much competition, I don't think. And as long I as they stay healthy. Last year, yeah, we've lost a lot of guys. I mean. Dobbins is a, is a setback and you know it's weird with the whole college football and the COVID it's just such a weird thing because it makes you realize like we're playing Rutgers this weekend there's so many blowouts in college football I know the mm -hmm. Buckeyes benefit from that um but it just I don't know it feels a little weird um playing these games but you know I uh, my prediction is we'll make the playoffs and I you know, Wisconsin. I'll just say I'll just say we're gonna win it, but you know I don't I don't believe that really. But Justin, we're all Justin homers Fields, here. It's Justin, okay. <laughs> yeah, Justin Fields is so good, and it's such a weird year, you know. So why not? Uh, you know, but I, these people that say that like we're better. You know, this is one of the best teams of all time. I'm like, you know, we lost a lot from last year's team. It's Can not Ohio that Ohio State easy, you know? beat Clemson, Colin. That's the question. Can Ohio State beat Clemson this year? You know. Man, we should have beat them last year. That's the problem. That's the problem, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't know if we're better than they are this year than they were last year. I thought we were better than last year. We lost, but yeah, we can beat them. But we, <laughs> but we need, we need a game like they had. We need a couple of their guys getting tossed out. <laughs> you know, we need the break. We need the breaks to go our way. We need a strip sack for a touchdown to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we could def, we could definitely beat them. Um, but you know, uh, you know, it's tough when you've been losing those guys. You know, it's tough to come in and. And run your mouth. I mean, they've <laughs> have owned us. So, yep. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, we can beat them. And Fields is amazing. He's unbelievable. Our receivers are amazing. Yep. And the team's coming on. So, uh, I'm, sure I'm just glad we get to see him. I'm glad, I'm glad we get to see him play this year. That's, you know, my thing. Oh, ab absolutely. It's so much fun. And it gives you some joy. And oh, and I watch it. And watching a guy like – it would have been a shame not to watch a guy like Fields play. He's mm -hmm. so good. Amen. He's so good. Amen, for sure. Yeah, and by well, the time – you know, and Speaking of looking forward to seeing people play, buddy, I know I'm speaking for myself and Kevin, as well as millions of Americans across the country who cannot wait to see Watershed play again live. I, I get to talk. Yeah, I, I get to see Colin this weekend. Uh, but uh, actually, by the time this, this, this airs, it will have happened. But uh, when we're recording this, I get to see Colin in just a few days. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about I'll talk about that for a second. I was going to yeah, write about talk about that. I mean, we're, we're, it's, it's, it's a really, as I don't tell you guys this or anyone listening, I'm assuming everyone listening to this is a huge music fan, but it's really, 
it's not hyperbole to say this has really hit the live music industry other than like maybe cruise ships harder than anyone in the world. And, you know, we're trying to be, we take COVID very seriously and I know all that stuff and everyone's different. You know, there's, there's clubs that are trying to survive. There's musicians that have to play gigs just to make, you know, put food on the table. So we're not, I'm not judging anyone, but we were like, well, with the bowlers and myself and Andy and Herb and Rick, you know, we don't depend on this to get by. So if we can show up and play a show and donate our services for free and the weather's nice outside and help the clubs out, that's kind of what we're looking at. You know, we're like, yeah. if, and, and, and if the weather's nice and, you know, people are going to have to suck it up. I mean, we, it's, we have some cold gigs, but right. we're going to play the show at Ace of Cups. Marcy Mays runs this incredible club in Columbus, Ohio. She's an incredible musician and person and club owner. Mm-hmm. So yes, she is. Sure. We, we decided on 20, well, I looked at the weather. <laughs> hey, Saturday's nice. Can we come play? Uh, she was like, that'd be great. We'll play in the afternoon. You know, all the money goes to the club and we'll do a show. So that's, we're kind of trying to figure out, well, if we can, if we can go play a place that's pretty safe and help somebody out, that seems like a fair trade. Nice. And that's really where, that's where we're at. Because like I said, once again, every musician, every club, as you know, every person has their own issues with whatever's going on with this. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of how we're approaching it. But we're hoping this is a model that can work in the future where we can show up on short notice and do a show and it helps somebody. That's kind of where we're at. We, we, have, we, have, we have the ability to do that, you know? So that's kind of the idea of what, what we're, we're thinking going forward. Um, and, you know, I think you know, it'll, be, it'll be fun and hopefully it helps, you know, pay their rent for a month because, man, it's going to be tough yep. for all these independent we original you, clubs to survive. We thank you for everything you've done. Yep. Yep. So, so well, hey, sure. you know, so I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing it, Colin. And uh, probably when we uh, do our uh, final episode uh, next week, uh, I will probably have some good things to say about it. Hopefully <laughs> um, I'm sure. All right, cool. Yeah. As I mean, long as you don't you have know, I'll admit we don't, we're not, we're not super rehearsed. I mean, you know, yeah, that's part that's of rock and roll. out of your comfort zone. <laughs> and Andy, you know, we're small amps. It's outside it's patio. They've got neighbors there, but we figure it's worth trying. You know what I mean? So let's just try it. And then, you know, look, there's days in Columbus. Let's face it, you know, we all, you know, climate change is real. We might be able to do shows in December and January. You know, we can have right Marcy now, yeah. It's going to be, yeah, if it's over 50, you know, and it might be a lot of days, we can show up in 24 hours notice. And, you know, people, and it's all socially distanced, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just, it's just something, you know, right. it's, it's a way to help. Amen. So, you know, uh, Todd, Todd and I have, uh, we have, we've joked and uh, we've joked about during all of this, of course, you know, it led to us being able to do this because uh, this is kind of our way to get together uh, over these calls. But um, we, we kind of like this whole new um, social distancing thing. You know, I never, I always like my personal space anyway. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, um, all right. Now I have two last questions for you and Todd may have something to follow up with. And then I'm going to let you plug, um, this, the current record, just kind of what's going on. Um, but, um, just, I wanted to ask you about, uh, when you wrote the song podcast, did you ever think you would be appearing on Todd Baker's podcast? I mean, no, but it's not shocking. I mean, for all the work that I did on I mean, all the work, all the shows he did at Community Access, well, you know, what the hell was that? I mean, yeah, I mean, he was, he, you know, he should be the king of podcasts. So, yeah. <laughs> right on. That's what you know, I've been trying to convince him of I'm this, like, Colin. I've realized, yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to convince him of this. He has the gift of the gab, if I can just keep him focused. But, you know, <laughs> we yeah. try. We do. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> As he holds up a beer. 
and and then here's my here's my last question, and then you and Todd can take this and, and take it wherever it goes. Will Todd ever get to see Back to the Car perform live again? No. <laughs> there you go, Todd. There's your answer. Put it to rest, buddy. Yeah. That's it. You know, I've lost my motivation, Colin. Uh, you know, yeah. it's been 30 years. Uh, the only reason I keep coming back year after year after year is just to hear that one, that one song. That we're going to play it. Uh, you know, but if that's the case, if I'm never going to hear back the car again, that's fine. I'll just have to start my own watershed cover band, and that'll be the first song we learn how to play. You know, just, you know, when we come time to put out the double album, maybe you can get a lobby and get it put on there. But I don't know. Work Herb on that. Herb's going to be able to talk me into it. I, that's, I, I doubt it, though. But we'll see. I can talk Herb into it. It's you and Joe that have been fucking working on for the last... I mean, I've driven to Virginia. I've driven to D.C. They've, they've got me on NPR with you saying, Todd, we're not playing that song. So my, uh, I'm sorry, I'm busting balls. I'm busting balls. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. No, I understand. You know, we got a lot of songs. Yeah, you know, request, but you know, we wrote those kids. You know, maybe one day. I don't know. I don't even know that song more, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, probably not. You know, it's not. We got too many other songs that are just better. I don't know what to say. We don't play that many gigs. It's tough to <laughs> give up right. that time. You know, right, right. If, if if I gotta donate every last cent. Of, of my life insurance policy to any man's treehouse in order to hear <laughs> yeah. this song before I go. That's what I'm willing to do. That's, I, that's all I'm saying. I think you should save your money and then just get in the shower and crank that thing up loud while you're singing and just imagine we're playing. And then be awesome. the toaster in the bathtub. Yeah. Put, you put on a video of old just, put on an old video of watershed and just turn the turn yeah. the audio down and play back to the car. Yeah. And now just, we're back know. to the car. It can it can be one of those things you just drive around and crank up in your car. It'll be right. awesome. And there you, you go. keep all the money. It'll be just as good. <laughs> all right. All right, yeah. Fair enough. all right. So Colin, tell everybody how to get the new record. Tell them what you're gonna be doing. This this episode, by the way, is gonna air on December the twentieth. So I've gotta say, I know that this will be the first year without the Happy traditional holidays. Uh, Colin Gallon League Bowlers uh, Christmas Eve Eve show. Yeah. Well, you know, so. we're actually, we have something on hold at Woodlands, okay. but I don't know if that means it's going to be like a stream or something. I don't know mm-hmm. what that means. But, right. You know, obviously, obviously, it'll be different this year, but. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I don't know what, you know, we're, we're pretty adamant about playing outside. We're not, we're not, we aren't able to play inside, but we'll see. I don't know. We know I talked to Nick. They're good people. We're just trying to work. Like I said before, all these bands, all these clubs, they're all in tough spots. So every mm-hmm. situation is kind of a, you know what I mean? Uh, right. Game by game kind of thing and the numbers and all that terrible shit we're all dealing with. We're all kind of see to with that. But yeah, the Watershed Record vinyls pretty much sold out that run. But obviously it really is always helpful, you know, as lame as it sounds, to go on Spotify, share the music. If you want to help the bands you like, whether it's us or, you know, whoever, get on there, you know, share the songs, put them on playlists. All that right. stuff really matters. I mean, that's that's the way the game's played now. So, it, you know, and I shouldn't even say game. It's like that's the only way to get the music out. So, right. you know, if, if you can click – if you're listening to a song and you like it, click share. Put it on whatever social yeah. media. And, you know, I've learned – I've found all kind of great songs from people that share. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, put on the new Watershed extended player and, you know, share it around. And that's that's really helpful. And it's, you know, if you like it, if you don't, don't share it. I don't care. But like, that's a really a way to do it. But the vinyl pressing is pretty much done. 
I mean, it's, it did really That's well. Awesome. That's so awesome. That, well, I've got back. one. I've got one, and I am glad to have it. But um, uh, and I yep. should and I should tell you guys that's talking about podcasts. What we want to do is do a watershed poster podcast where we do we do a podcast based around the poster on every picture. Yes, yes. So we've talked. Great to, idea. We talked to Brian Brian Phillips about that. Some people, but it's not finalized. So <laughs> maybe you guys end up hoping hope hosting an episode of the watershed poster podcast nice. i don't know i will run it but we i will gladly run it on the five for two network since we stole the name yeah. of our network from one of yeah. your old songs that i'm sure todd would love to hear again yeah. live too but that but that would be we thought that would be a fun thing to do because that poster has i mean there's not many bands and this is a quote from a former manager was telling us how we should the guy was telling me some of the guy in the industry was like you guys need to do a poster because you're the only band that from 85 to 20 2020 has done something all time you didn't just like come back you've always done it and there's never been a reason to do it like that's like what's really no one's like that and i was like yeah he's right if you think about it so there's a lot of fun stuff in there so we thought it'd be fun to maybe break down the poster and go through it with the guys and we right could on. get you know herb and i and joe and then have pooch in it you know there's a lot of players in this band and we've had a lot yeah. of help i mean we couldn't be there without you know, people like Jim Simon, Frank LaRocca, Frank Aversa did Star Vehicle, Biggie, you guys, Todd Baker, obviously, you know, Pooch and Joe Peppercorn carried us for years, amazing talent. Mike Landel produced things with us. I mean, so it would be fun to get everyone's take. And Dave Masca is an incredible player. And, you know, carried us through the, really the glory days of the band. Hey, Colin, we really yeah, appreciate uh, you uh, coming on. We do. Well, guys, you know, we'll wrap it up. I just want to say, uh, you know, Todd and Kevin, I mean, that's why, you know, you play rock and roll as you meet guys like yourself. I don't know any two bigger rock and roll fans or fan of, fans of just life than you two guys. It's awesome knowing you, and it's been an honor to be on here. So keep on rocking and doing your thing. And uh, thanks again for having me on. It was really an honor. Thank you. Go take a step. Wait a minute, he didn't even play back in the car. What the hell, he, said, he told you you were never going to hear that song, Todd. <laughs> I wanted him to tell the five for two story, but we kept the poor man on the phone for like over an hour, so. He, 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 was, he was a trooper. God bless him. Great uh, stories, know. man. I can't wait for this one. Tom, um, we love, look, I'm wearing your shirt for crying out loud. I, you, you say you got 45 left, I'll buy 20 of them. I don't care. <laughs> So, you know. All right, Todd. Well, uh, we've talked about the only whys that we had, and we fit in. We finally got Colin Gow on the show after 25 episodes. We got him on here. So. We, we, got, we, got, look, we got two-thirds of Watershed. Can we get, can we get Joe A. Stray? Can we get We've got Joe one episode left, episode Z. All right, so all right. We're, we're finally there next week. Yeah, there's, no fucking, there's no fucking way Joe Ace is coming on this show, but uh, but folks, uh, look, the, the book is almost done, and uh, you know, for all of my drive by truckers, brothers, and sisters out there, Kevin, Heather included, uh, we we will miss our uh, our brother from another mother, and uh, you know. And all I know is, Jimmy, I'm going to see you soon. I, I, maybe not maybe not soon. But I, hope, I hope not soon. But I'll uh, see we, you another day, buddy. We will see you at the big, at the great rock show in the sky. Yep, yep. Right. Save me a seat by the cheese bar, Jimmy. 
All right, so next week, folks, we've got the last and final chapter of uh, season one of Ticket Subs. We'll see what and when season two may hold or or, or if this is going to be it. But uh, tune in next week. Uh, I'm sure you, you have a ZZ Top story, right, Todd? You you did title your book uh, ACDC Business. I, I, I have several ZZ Top stories. Okay. Uh, you know, I've got a few uh, Warren Zevon stories. I think I you've been know. saving. I think you've been uh, how 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 nice that we got to save. Uh, how poetic that Warren Zevon comes up. Uh, you know, he should he should be saved for last. Season close. Season closer. For the best for last, Kevin. Come on. So this you show know. is going to air on episode or uh, on December the twentieth. So yep. let's wish everybody out there a happy uh, Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy uh, Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever, uh, whatever uh, you celebrate. Uh, what? Yeah, all of them, all, all, all those things. Happy Holidays is acceptable here on Ticket Steps. So as long as we get the other the other good stuff in there too. Yeah. So all right, buddy, I love you. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Uh, you you should uh, already have my gifts by now, but since we recorded this. Back hey, look, in November. You, got, you, you finally got my wedding card, didn't you? I did finally get your <laughs> wedding card after you resent it. But uh, hey, look, folks, I sent two wedding cards. <laughs> Both those motherfuckers cost seven bucks a piece. So you know, <laughs> I did not send. I did not send no Walmart fifty cent wedding cards. Uh, you know. Okay, I won't make a but we should trust the mail joke. But anyway, I did. Anyway, I love you. We got one more time. See you next week We're on. Almost We're almost there, buddy. <laughs> Can you dig it? See you it? next week, pal. Can you dig it? Can you dig it?